Welcome to the Grace City Eugene podcast. We exist to help every person in our sphere of influence encounter Christ, experience biblical community, and extend God's kingdom. If we can help you in any way, feel free to reach out to hello at gracecityeugene.com. Here's the podcast. This is, <laughs> this is about the sixth message I wrote for this Sunday, and uh, at about 11 o'clock today, God just started downloading some stuff in my heart, and um, my hope is it doesn't seem like it came out today, because I think, I think this is good stuff God really wants to encourage us with, um, and so be encouraged. I really believe this is a word from God for us for this time, and I'm hoping that it's, uh, it will help lift your spirit. But like all good messages, they start with a story, right? Well, maybe not all of them, but for me, I think they should. So let me tell you a story. Um, back when I was like 1920, I drove this Ford Ranger and you may say, wow, Pastor Chris, you and a Ford Ranger. Yeah, I know, but I was in better shape back then. And, uh, I drove this little 1989 Ford Ranger. It was my first car and went off to college and was driving it. And, um, in college, I wasn't, I was going to Willamette University, which people assumed that you got money. I didn't have money. I just had a lot of loans. And not a lot of, not a lot of means to uh, to take care of things that may um, may seem like common sense to deal with. And I was driving this car around, just trying to get through the year. I was kind of in a in a in a dark place at this point in my life, through because some injuries that took me away from football. Blah blah. You've heard all that. But driving this car around, and how many of you have ever experienced when you're just driving and you think everything's fine, and then these dumb little lights come on in your dashboard? <laughs> And it always starts with ones that are seemingly harmless, right? Like, oh, your oil pressure. I'm like, oh, I was probably just driving too good, and my, my engine just got really excited, and the oil pressure light's on. And, uh, you know, so it goes on, and, and I just keep driving, because I'm like, well, I ain't got time to deal with that. I ain't got money to deal with that. So I keep driving. And then all of a sudden, this anti-lock brake light. I was like, well, my car's still driving. Obviously, my brakes are working. I push on the pedal. They work. I keep driving. I keep going on a few more weeks. And then my engine light comes on. But did you guys know there's like stages of the engine light, right? Like there's different colors. And so mine wasn't red. It was orange. So I'm like, oh, we're good. It'll be fine. Right, Pete? And so I just, I kept going. <laughs> and uh, I, didn't, I didn't have the means. And I knew there was a cost in a, and like, <laughs> I was just kept plowing along. Like these lights weren't even going. Like they weren't even there. And I just kept driving. And then it turned red. And I was like, oh, this is escalating. Um, I wonder what, what could be going on. Um, now, like I said, I didn't have the money to get this stuff fixed on my car, um, and I just chose to treat these lights like they weren't there. Like, I even, like, at one point just put, like, something in my dash, like, so that I didn't see all the lights. Um, I just kept on driving, and then it got to the point where occasionally, like, I could hear and feel things happening in my car that weren't good. Have you guys ever experienced that? When you're just driving along, you're like, ooh, well, I will, I'm not driving on gravel, so I don't know what that noise was, right? And you just, you just start to, you can tell, like, under the hood, there's something happening that is concerning to me. But I don't really have the time or resources to deal with it, so onward, right? And, uh, and I, I just couldn't fathom how I was going to deal with it. So I just kept chugging along, just kept, kept playing along. And now finally one day, I had to drive about an hour to go to my grandfather's to help him with some stuff on the farm. And I roll in and he was already outside and he heard me coming. And I pulled up and he's like, I won't use exactly what he said, but the essence of what he said was, what in the heck are you doing driving that thing? 
I was like, well, I ain't got the money to get it fixed, and it's still going. So, you know, most of my driving is just, you know, five minutes here and there. This was a, a, special, uh, a special trip. And so he says, well, are there any dash lights on indicating what might be wrong? I was like, yeah, there's a few of them. <clears throat> well, how long have they been on? <sighs> you know, a few months. Well, have you gotten it looked at? Well, I mean, I looked at it, but no, I have no professional help. And he exclaims, well, why the not? <laughs> and he's like frustrated with me. And uh, he said, why, why the heck not? So, so long story short with this is he offered to loan me the money if I, if I couldn't afford getting it fixed. He's just like, you idiot, this trap is going to kill my grandson if you keep driving it around. So he begged me to get, a, get it looked at and get it fixed before it was too late. Now, what may have only cost an oil change and maybe some routine maintenance when the light first came on, um, and I would have had the problems assessed, actually ended up costing me a transmission and a few other things to the tune of about $3,500. Now, I don't know of any oil pressure light coming on that ever usually cost people $3,500 when they address it right away. But I chose to just plow along, ignore the indicators of what was going on underneath the hood, beneath the surface of my vehicle, if you will, and, and that's what, and it had a cost to it. Now, I, I couldn't help but wonder, after all that was done, what if I'd only addressed the early warning systems that were present there? Like, you know, the lights that the designer of the vehicle builds in so that the, that stuff doesn't happen? What if I'd just addressed those? The, the very things that the creator of this vehicle put in place to let me know when I was operating under circumstances that were dangerous to my vehicle. What... What could dealing with that sooner have, have done? Now, it still wouldn't have been easy or fun. There still would have been a cost to it. I would have been without a car for a little bit of time while I was getting work, looked at, all those things. But when it was designed to be dealt with, what could have been saved for me and maybe those around me? You guys, when you're driving however many miles down the road and your car breaks, like it's you, it may not just be you that's in danger, right? And I had to deal with these things. Like this had implications on me and those around me. So what if I told you that each and every one of you has a similar system? Each and every one of you has a similar system built into you by your designer. Indicators that when addressed early on won't avoid all cost and inconvenience, but will undoubtedly save you your mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical systems from breaking down and burning out. Our designer put these kind of systems in us too. What if I told you that you had built-in indicators that when connected deeply beneath the surface to your spiritual life and emotional life have been installed to help you address things in your life sooner rather than later, prior to crisis. Prior to crisis. <clears throat> and just like you would tell me I'm an idiot for not dealing with my vehicle sooner, as you hear that story 18-ish years ago, I would say that we are all equally foolish if we choose to ignore those indicators in our lives, just pushing forward because we can't afford the cost or the inconvenience to dealing with them. And I'll admit, for me, lately, a few of those indicator lights that are built into me as a person, my spiritual, emotional uh, life, have, have been going off. I've been seeing them flash over the last few weeks. And I've seen in our community, in our city, in our nation, in our world, similar indicator lights flashing. And these indicators that I speak of are fear and anxiety. Indicators of something that's going on beneath the surface, something about our paradigm of who God is and who we see him to look at us as, that it's just an indicator of something. 
Now, are these only indicator lights in your dashboard? Not likely, but they're, they're significant. They're not the only things, right? Fear and anxiety aren't the only indicators, but they are significant ones that reach deeply into our soul, who we are, how we see ourselves, how we believe God sees us, and our perception of who he is to us. So I, I want to start out this saying, like, having those indicator lights, feeling those things, dealing with fear, 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 fear and anxiety, like, that, that's not wrong. You're not broken because you're experiencing some fear or anxiety. It's okay. It's actually responsible to acknowledge feeling these things. Similar to me being irresponsible, ignoring the indicator lights in my dashboard until the thing breaks down and costs me thousands of dollars. If you were to just ignore that you're feeling these things, that's actually irresponsible. It's an irresponsible way to deal with the way that God has created you. Do not ignore them. But rather ask yourself, where is this coming from? And what does God have to say about this? Instead of just saying, oh man, the Bible says don't fear, don't be anxious, so ah, stop it. And you just move on <laughs> instead of saying, oh, that's coming up. I bet God might want to be doing something in me right now. I bet he has something to say about this right now. What does God want to teach me? How does he want to parent me in this? What might he want to tell me in this? What might he be doing deep inside of you right now that he would allow or maybe even cause these feelings or indicators to flash or come up. What might be going on? But we cannot ignore them. We have to acknowledge them. And then we've got to see what the scriptures say about how we move forward from there. How do we move forward from there? So today we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 41 and what that has to say about this. We're first going to look at verse 10. And then we're going to look at the preceding verses and how they intensify verse 10. I'm going to be reading out of the NASB today, and I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump into that 4110 if you want to follow along. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the way you've designed us. That these feelings of fear and anxiety are present to be indicators of something going on beneath the hood, beneath the surface. God, would you help us to not ignore them? To not be ashamed of them, but to come to you and ask what you may be doing in the midst of them. Father, we pray just for your, your protection, your wisdom, and your discernment upon us as we deal with these things that are so prevalent, uh, not only in our lives, but in the world around us, and how we can be a beacon of light in something that would rather bring darkness and oppression. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, verse 10 in chapter 41, it says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look around you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now there are two commands in this verse, and then there's five what I'm going to call pillars for fearlessness. Fear not is the first command at the beginning of this verse, and the second is do not anxiously look about you. So the commands it says, it says fear not, and don't look anxiously about you. Don't anxiously Look around. Now, as always in the Bible, there are reasons for these commands. Commands don't just hang in the air with no basis in reality. They're not just some theory or something that's thrown out flippantly like, oh, yeah, let's just have you not do this either. Like, they're, they're not just floating in the air. There's a basis in reality. If God commands us to do something, there are good reasons to do it. And power comes from understanding and believing those reasons. So the commands, fear not, do not look anxiously about. And then there's these five pillars. The first one says, for I am with you. 
Do not fear, for I am with you, is what the scripture says. I am your God. It says, do not look anxiously about you, for I am your God. And then it says, I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now we can restate these, and they sound like this. God is with me. God is my God. God will strengthen me. God will help me. And God will uphold me. When God calls you to be free from fear, to overcome this natural emotion and have peace, he does not leave the command just hanging in the air. He puts pillars under it, five of them to be specific. This is true with all biblical commands, that they come with divine support. There is support for these things. So in essence, what this is saying is fear not, God is with you. Fear not, God is your God. Fear not, God will strengthen you. Fear not, God will help you. And fear not, God will uphold you. Now, we don't have time to get into depth here today on all the the nine verses that precede this. And I'd urge you, go home and read them. Go home and read the nine verses right before this. But I'm going to give you a little summary of what I believe God wants to speak through those to us today. And I think you'll agree with me that they intensify the promises and the pillars that we find in verse 10. If the key to fearlessness is believing that God is your God and is with you and will strengthen you and will help you and uphold you, then knowing the greatness of this God will intensify your faith and fearlessness. Amen? Knowing how great he is, the realities of who he is and what he does in this world, that will only intensify these things. It will intensify your faith and your fearlessness. So leading up to verse 10, we see glimpses at God's greatness. And here is what we see. And again, we're just going to hit these real quick because I really like where, where God's taken this. The first thing we see at the, in the verses 1 through 2 is God is the judge of all the earth. Now, we don't like that word judge in our society, right? Oh, judge. Oh, no, we shouldn't judge people. No, but in that same sentence is let God do it, okay? So God is the judge of all the earth. He calls the nations to give account of their life and their religions and their thoughts. He is not called to account. He is not on trial. He is the judge and will pass sentence to every person. The scriptures are clear about this. That is the God who is with you to strengthen you and to help you. He is the one that's in charge and will bring judgment. The second glimpse we get of him in these prior verses, is that God is the ruler of all the other rulers this world has ever seen. God is the ruler of the rulers of history. He controls the affairs of men and nations for his purposes. That's who gives the pillars of fearlessness in verse 10, is the God that is in control of all the rulers throughout history. The third thing that it explains to us is God is the uncreated first. He is Yahweh. He's not only judging all the nations and ruling the rulers of this earth, he called all the nations and earth into being. He called everything into being. He was here first. God is the first. He is the absolute reality before all other reality on which reality depends. He's the basis of it all. He is the uncreated first, and he will be there with the last when all is accomplished according to his eternal purposes. And the fourth glimpse we get is that God is the God who chose his people. Over and against desperation of self-reliance and idolatry that humans have, 
God says to his people, even in verses 8 and 9, that he's chosen you, a descendant of Abraham, his friend. He has taken you from the ends of the earth, the most remotest parts of this earth. God says he has chosen you, and he's not rejected you. So these glimpses intensify the five pillars, because he's the God who judges all the earth and calls the nations to give account. He's the God who rules the rulers of history, the God who calls nations of earth into being because he is the first and the last, and the God who calls his own people and makes himself their God freely and graciously. And that God says to us who believe, I am your God. I am with you. I will strengthen you. I will help you. And I will uphold you. Now, how does, all, how does this all work together? God says, therefore, because I am the judge of nations, therefore, because I rule the rulers of history, therefore, because I call nations into being, therefore, because I choose freely my own, I, this great and sovereign God, am your God. And I am with you and will strengthen you and will help you and will uphold you. Therefore, do not fear. Therefore, do not fear. It's not just, hey, I'm with you. I'm here. I'll uphold you. It's look at everything that I, your God, am. And because of those things and that I say I'm with you, I'm your God, I will strengthen you, help you, and uphold you, you have no reason to fear. Verse 10 tells us so much, but verses 1 through 9 give the context for why that is so, or such good news. If we don't know all the things that he is, everything that he has done, all the ways in which we know he is the most powerful, most sovereign God, then those other things just kind of have an asterisk. Like, oh, well, I guess that's good news. But no, this is amazing news because he judges the nations, rules the rulers of history, calls nations into being, and chooses his own, and it's chosen you. Therefore, don't fear. Does that mean everything's going to be easy? Does that mean the circumstances are going to be amazing? No, it's not saying that at all. But it's saying no matter what is thrown at you, no matter what happens in your neighborhood, in your nation, what scare and, or scares and fears and whatever else is going on, do not fear. I'm God. I got this. Everything will be okay. That's what it says. And he is worthy of giving these promises. He can back them up. Verses 1 through 9 show us that. So Isaiah 41, 1 through 10 in a nutshell, is exactly what we in our world need to hear today. The God who's in control and tells you not to fear is plenty capable of handling all of this. Plenty capable. Actually, the perfect one to handle it. We got some smart people in our community. We got some gifted minds, gifted professionals. But ultimately, God's the only one that can handle this. doesn't matter how good a doctor, a governor, a president, legislation, whatever. Like, it, all that stuff is great. But like, unless we understand who God is and what his promises to us are and that he tells us, don't, don't fear, don't look anxiously about you, unless we hold on to that and know what it's rooted in, all those other things are not perfect. And fear can still creep in. But this is amazing news that we as a community need to hear and we as a community need to be able to communicate to those around us. 
Now, I wouldn't recommend busting out Isaiah 41 in the NASB translation and trying to tell your neighbor that doesn't know Jesus about it. But I would recommend that you know this deep down inside so as you communicate that there is hope in something other than our government, hope in something other than our paycheck and our bank accounts, and if there's toilet paper at Costco, that there's hope in something other than that. And you need to know deep down inside you what this says so you can communicate these things to those that are around you. We're responsible to do that. So if you're feeling some fear and anxiety, that's okay. Don't ignore what you're feeling. Just meet those things with the truth of who God is and who he says you are in him. Man, this has just really been making me a little anxious. I find myself getting fearful of what could happen. It's okay. Just bring it to God. Don't let that be your truth. Don't let that become your reality. Meet that with the truth of who he is and who you are to him. So as we close up, I've just really gotten the sense that a lot of us has been ignoring our dash lights lately. That these things have been flaring up and fear and anxiety and whatever other hot words you want to put to it. But we'll just deal with those today. That those things have been flaring up. And we come at it from two ways. We either say, no, I'm a person of faith and the Bible says not to do those things. So I'm just going to keep moving forward and not actually deal with them. Or we let them have governance inside of us. And I don't believe that either of those is the proper way to deal with it. Feel what you feel. Acknowledge that so that you can bring it to the one who will deal with it. So if you've been ignoring those dash lights, or they've been flat, or maybe they're just flashing and you're like, I don't know what the heck to do with these things. I'm feeling them and I have no clue what to do about it. If that's you, we want to pray for you right now. Rod, will you come up here? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you, like, if, if you've been feeling these things, that's fine. But this is the family. This is the place where we're going to deal with them. And I'm going to ask you if you'll just be brave and raise your hand. Not like the, this one, but like, hey, let's, let's not let the enemy shame us. Elbow above the head. Yeah, those lights are going off. I've been feeling fear. I've been feeling anxiety. And I either don't know what to do with it or I've been ignoring it. And I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. No longer ignore it and ask that God would deal with these things. And Rod's going to pray over us. And then we're going to end with a couple more songs of praise and worship. Because I believe that worship is not just something that we do out of obligation. I believe it's a weapon of warfare. I believe it's something that, that God uses as we declare from our hearts. That he uses to take ground, to, to open up doors in his kingdom, to, to do things in the heavenly realms. And as we declare that and come together as a family, he wants to do things. He wants to move in this city. And I believe it's our responsibility as followers of him to be people of prayer and to be people of worship. And so we're going to end that way. But Rod, come on up here. And I'm going to ask you as I go up and get ready to lead these next two songs, if that's you and you just need Rod to pray for you, if you're dealing with that fear and anxiety, would you just raise your hands as a sign of just realizing the reality of where you're at and allowing God to come in and work on that?